Okay, John chapter 16 today. Our verse-by-verse study of Psalm 23 is, is in the past at the moment. Now we're going to look at something I think very important for every believer to understand clearly because he makes the difference. And how, thank, how thankful are you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? Because one of the most distinctive things about this age in which we live, some people call it the age of grace, some people call it dispensation of the church age, uh, whatever, but it is the age in which the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in God's people. Now, he came upon people in the Old Testament. He also went, came and went. Uh, But let's see what the Bible says in the New Testament concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer so that you can uh, just rejoice in that and understand it a little more clearly. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. And uh, we thank you for this new life that's coming uh, with uh, Brandon and Tiffany, and pray that uh, that child will will receive you uh, as Savior at an early age, walk with you throughout their life, be a blessing. And Lord, uh, thank you for giving Christian people, uh, children, to pass on godly heritages. We thank you, Lord, again for the comfort that you give when we lose a loved one as well. And uh, so we we just thank you again for our time together, for the Word of God. Thank you for the ministry of the Spirit of God in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> I'm never interested in denominational uh, teaching as much as I am the clear teaching of the Scriptures. So, these seven things are clear teaching of the Scripture concerning uh, the Spirit of God. And by the way, well, let me read the text first. All right, are you ready? John 14, 15 through 8, or 16, should be 16 through 18, but we'll read 15 too. This is Jesus' teaching again the night before he went to the cross, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and the high priestly prayer of chapter 17 all happen in one night. The night, and he was pouring into his disciples some very important uh, truth. And so he says in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter or helper. Listen to this now. That he may abide with you, what's the word? Forever. Is that right? Verse 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And he does in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've never been one to understand completely the Trinity, though those uh, there are a number of cults that deny the trinity and they say it's not the word is not found in the bible well no it isn't 
Uh, but the truth of it is, and uh, it, it starts in Genesis 1 and goes all the way to Revelation 22. And you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, you have three persons making up one God, Elohim, plural, one God. And uh, so without getting into all of that, I've had people try to tell me, hey, illustrate, I've got a good illustration for you for the Trinity. An egg, you have the shell, you have the yolk, and you have the, what is it called? White. Well, that's a plain name, isn't it? White, but... They're not co-equal. You don't eat the, the shell. At least you shouldn't. And I didn't like that illustration. And then you have water. You got ice. You got liquid. And then you got steam. And yet it's all water. And that, uh, yeah. I think the best one I ever heard was triangle. Going back to your geometry days, you know, you have three sides all co-equal. And sometimes you'll see the Trinity illustrated God in the middle, and then you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that type of thing. But He is a person, and uh, I'll show you that as we as we go along. What does the Bible say? What seven things? But there's something you have to see first before you do anything, because here's the truth. I didn't write it down on your on your sheet, but you know what? The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus Christ, not Himself. In John 16, verse 14, when Jesus was teaching again on the Spirit who was to come uh, after Jesus would ascend, He will glorify me, talking about the Spirit of truth, verse 13, we'll look at that verse later. He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. And then uh, also in... Uh, Oh, where is that? Verse chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, uh, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He does not glorify himself. And uh, you can discern now a little bit about what happens in some circles. And you know, his, his, his main mission is to glorify the Son of God. And just keep that in mind. Here are seven things. Number one, he convicts the world of sin, including your own heart. If you depend on your conscience only to be your guide, you could be in trouble. The Bible says that our conscience can be seared like a hot iron. It can, you can, uh, the conscience is not always trustworthy. And if you do something long enough, your conscience can get hardened. But you have, as a Christian now, if you've accepted Christ, you have someone called the Holy Spirit who will convict. Well, first of all, he'll convict the world of sin. That's the main idea in this verse. And by the way, that's in John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I not go away, the Helper will not come to us. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. So God the Holy Spirit is in the world, and he will do this through his people and through the word many, many different ways. But he's convicting the world of sin 
the sin of unbelief of rejecting Christ. So just think of when the restrainer is taken away just before the tribulation. Just think all of that goes as well. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And I say amen for that. So <clears throat> he has a convicting ministry. I am very thankful. It's This scripture is mainly talking about the world, but you know what? He also, since he abides in you, he also will convict you and I when we're stepping off on the wrong. There is a song we heard on the radio today. Okay, I got a blank. Hey, hang on. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's called You're Drifting Too Far From The Shore. It's a beautiful song. And it talks, it just talks about uh, convicting ministry. Praise God, convicting for convicting his own, yes, and the world. He loves us too much to let us go. So he, he's a convictor. He, he lets us know when we're off on the wrong track. Number two, number two, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Now, every Christian should be aware of this truth so that when people come knocking on your door and want to spread stuff that is not true, generally the people I'm thinking of have changed the Scripture to um, 18, 18 major changes so that it, the heresy that they promote can seem like it's biblical. Many, many other changes, but there are 18 major changes. Now, you need to know this about the Bible. 2 Peter 1, verse 19. <clears throat> and uh, so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and morning star rise in your hearts. Verse 20, here it is. Knowing... Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now that should be a clue. And then verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were, keyword, moved by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been sailing? Ever been on a sailboat? A little sailboat? Anybody? Of course, you got to have water, and Nebraska is a little short on that. I say that coming from a land of 10,000 lakes, and 10,000 is not accurate. There's a lot more than that. In fact, in our county where we lived, we had 1,000 lakes. It's a huge county. It's about three-quarters of the size of Rhode Island, but it had 1,000 lakes in that county. Oh, it had water everywhere. People like to sail. Now, just think for a moment. What do you need when you get in a sailboat besides life jackets? Got to have wind. This word moved in the Greek means born along like a sailboat. You don't see it, but it's there. You need a little wind to move the sailboat. So these people, says holy men, are men that were separated for God's purpose were moved or born along to write down Scripture. Now, the miracle thing is, this book was written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years. And it is, it's an agreement. 
That's because the real author is the Holy Spirit. So it didn't come by the will of man. It came from him. That's why I'm a Bible teacher. That's why I'm a Bible preacher. That's why I believe that everybody should be in the Scripture every day. That's why I believe the Bible is the final rule for faith and practice above and beyond any denomination. If the Scripture says something clear, that's where we set our feet. In concrete, I used to say. <laughs> that's where we stand. So he's the author of the Bible, and in point number two, he illuminates its message to receptive hearts. You say what now? I'm saying that the Holy Spirit, if your heart is receptive, will help you to understand and illuminate its message. Look at John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus speaking again, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Man, we have somebody to help us understand the miracle message of the word of God. Not just to get saved, but to grow. And to understand the times. And uh, I'll tell you, I appreciate any ministry that gets the word of God out, including the Gideons. Anyway, he illumines or makes its message understandable to receptive hearts. Now, if you're living in sin or you've got some, some issue you've refused, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be hard to understand. First of all, it's going to be hard to open the book because... It has a convicting message. So, number two, he's the author of the Bible. He helps us to understand it. Number three, the Holy Spirit, at the time of salvation, baptizes the believer into the body of Christ. Now, this is important for you to see from the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Now, the Bible teaches this very clearly. For by one Spirit were we all, A, L, L, not just a few, not just if, if you're a Christian and you meet these certain conditions. The Bible tells us one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. What is Spirit baptism? It's that when you come to know Christ, He takes you then out of the world and puts you into, immerses you into the body of Christ. Isn't that neat? The Spirit of God does that. We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or Norwegians, or Germans, or Finns. Is there any, any other people in the world? That was a joke. Uh, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all, A-L-L, -L, been made to drink into one spirit. So he places you, you who are without hope, without God, without uh, all the things that we're without as, as a non-believer, when you get saved, he places you into the body of Christ of which you were all a part as a believer. So I think that's really neat. I, I'm thankful um, 
for that truth. As a young Christian, I I worked with a uh, a fellow who uh, was trying to get me to say, "Well, I'm so glad you're saved, but uh, there you got to do something else too." And until the, until the Scripture gives you victory, you struggle with things, don't you? The Scripture gave me victory, the clear teaching of the Word. Number four, the Holy Spirit takes up residence and dwells, in other words, in the believer's body. And you can uh, read Romans 8, 8 through 11 when you get time. I want to see 1 Corinthians 6. Want us to see 1 Corinthians 6. That passage in Romans says, if you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, you're none of uh, Jesus. You don't belong to Christ. So that should tell you something. He takes up residence. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You know these verses. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Writing to the Corinthians now, who is the most carnal church in the whole realm. They had more problems than most churches put together, but he's reminding them that their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and here it is, and you're not your own. How dare we think we can do something with the temple of the Holy Spirit on our own? For here, here's the reason. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I have been purchased by redemption. I am his by redemptive purchase. Inside of this hide of mine dwells nothing more or less than the person of the Holy Spirit. Do I understand that? No. But do I know that God is omni what? Present. Whereas Satan can only be in one place at one time and his horde. God is everywhere present. But now, specifically, he indwells the believer. I'm thankful for that. Let's find out some more. He takes up residence. He indwells the believer's body. What an incentive for right living. Let's not grieve him, Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Some years back, I went with another brother to witness to some uh, the people that come around, knock on your door, you know, usually two by two. And we thought we'd send him a real witness. We'd go over and see him. And uh, uh, we had an interesting visit, and I was able to... Um, my friend was visiting with the, with the man and arguing to beat the band, and I didn't think that was getting us anywhere. So I was visiting with the wife there just across the room, and I said, did you know the Holy Spirit is a person? Because this particular group don't believe. They don't believe in the deity of Christ or the Holy Spirit. They think we serve three gods. And I was able to turn to Acts chapter 5, and I said, look what happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they lied. The Bible says that, uh, that they lied to the Holy Spirit. And the next verse says, you haven't lied to men, you've lied to God. And you can't lie to a power or an entity. You lie to a person. 
That's why Ephesians 4.30 says, Greed not the Spirit of God. So there's basically three things you can do with the Spirit of God that lives inside you. You can grieve Him through sin, and you don't want to do that. You'll be an unhappy camper, let me tell you. Or you can quench Him by not doing what you should do. Quench not the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5. Or you can allow Him to have full control. We'll get that here uh, two points down. So the choice, of course, is, is yours. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us. So let's not grieve Him at all. Number five, He gives life and power to believers. Now, in the area of giving life, that's found in John chapter 3. You know the verses very well. John 3, 3 through 6. And we're talking about salvation. And we're also talking about born of the Spirit. That's when you're saved. So, let's, for lack of, I know it's familiar, but people run over this without considering it. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The new birth comes when we believe the gospel. And it's not just because we go to church every Sunday, okay? We know that. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? And then the dumbest question I've ever seen in the Bible is now asked. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is an educated man asking a question like that, but at least he was honest. So Jesus let that go and said in verse 4, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'll nail my flag to the mast here. I believe the water is the physical birth, and I believe the Spirit is the spiritual birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's why I believe the water is referring to the physical birth. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So when you're saved, you are born again. In other words, regenerated. You've been given life. And the only one that can do that is the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad? So, He gives life when we're born again. That's, that's the life He gives us because the Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? Now, the second one that... He gives power to believers primarily for three things, for witnessing, for service gifts, and for control of our sinful nature. Those chapters you can read at some time. For witnessing, serving uh, gifts, control of our sinful nature. Why is it? As a believer, we can be so incredibly blessed with all the spiritual truths about being saved and belonging to Jesus. Then why don't we share it? Reminds me of my neighbor. My wife and I stumbled across the most beautiful, beautiful field of wild Minnesota blueberries we'd ever seen. Man, it was just blue. Now, we could have kept that a secret. Or... We could have shared the blessing with others. There was no way we were going to use all those anyhow. But some believers keep these wonderful truths instead of sharing them. Well, anyway, I went to get my neighbor, 
And he came along with us. Remember that, Carol? He had a big five-gallon bucket. Five-gallon! And he filled it up with wild, sweet Minnesota blueberries. That's how thick they were. And I said, well, now you can tell your son. And, and he said, I'm telling nobody. I said, we told you. He said, well, thank you, but I'm telling nobody. And I, I razzed him about that. But isn't that something when we're saved and we don't witness? We should witness. We don't have to be an expert at things, but we can share something with somebody else. Number six, the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to let him have full control, Ephesians 5.18. Now, I think all of us pretty well know what that says, but I'll read it again anyway. It says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The word filled means controlled. And what happens when that happens? Well, you will... Uh, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and me making melody in your heart, even, to the Lord. You'll be noted for giving of thanks, verse 20, for all things. In verse 21, you'll learn to submit to one another, and uh, that's the Spirit of God. And, uh, and what else happens? Well, wives then will learn how to submit to their husbands. Husbands will learn how to what? how to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Wow! And gave himself for it. Husbands will learn how to give themselves for the wives that God has given to them. Children will learn how to obey their mom and daddy. Keep reading down. You'll find that employers and employees, all, if they're controlled by the Holy Spirit, will live in such a way as to reflect Christ. Then you go on into Galatians and you... You find something else, too. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we're commanded to let them have full control, resulting in tremendous fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And how many are there of them? Ooh, a quiz at the end of the message. How many fruit is listed in Galatians 5 of the Holy Spirit? Uh, nine, yes. Somebody say nine. Nine. Well, let's love, yes. Joy, peace, say it if you know it, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. All of that doesn't just happen naturally. It comes when the Spirit of God has full control. And how do we do that? We move over and let Him, and we walk with Him. We stay close to the Scripture. We commune in prayer, and we serve Him. Number seven, last one. He is the believer's comforter. In John 14, you know these as well. In John 14, uh, verse 16, uh, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. I'm so thankful. I need him at every point in my life. How about you? Verse 26 says it this way. But the Comforter, whom the, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, it's always glorifying Christ. You understand that? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Thankful for that, too. He is the believer's comforter. It's a Greek word here is paraclete. Paraclete, just like it sounds. Not parakeet. Come on now. 
one who called along, who was called alongside to help you. And I'll tell you, we need help living the Christian life. And I just say, praise God. Now, the last two things are this. He gives the believer assurance. And uh, let's let's look at that one first, because it's my favorite. Did I mention it's my favorite? In Romans chapter 8, and then verse 11. <clears throat> That's not the verse. Come on now. Well, oh, 16. I can't read my own handwriting. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I am so thankful that, yes, there's other things in Scripture that give me assurance, yes, but the Holy Spirit who lives within me reminds my spirit that I belong to him. That's assurance. And then finally, he seals us. That means final transaction. And uh, again, we're going to look at Scripture so you don't think I'm talking through my hat in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, chapter 1, chapter 1, uh, and then verse 12, 13, and 14. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory, in whom you also trusted when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in which also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ooh. Verse 14, who is the guarantee or down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the sealing ministry. We have received a down payment. When we get our body, we'll get the rest of it, our new body. So praise God, because sealing speaks of ownership. Ownership. Amen and thank God. I remember one time I was tent making in this church that had only four families and we watched that blossom into a church of 100 people over the years. It was such a blessing. But at first, I had to provide for my family. So I drove truck and forklift and worked on docks and all that stuff. Well, one day they came and asked me to take a special shipment from Zeeland, Michigan, where the plant was, to um, Lansing, where the capital of Michigan was. And I said, well, okay, I'll drive the truck, drive my truck over there, and we'll load her up and... It was a big box truck. <laughs> they said, it's all on one skid. They didn't tell me what it was. And they wouldn't let me see it being loaded. And when it was loaded, they put a seal on it. And I didn't know what it was. And the boss whispered in my ear. He said, whatever's on that skid is worth $4 million. I said, okay. So I delivered it. And they didn't ask me to leave. I stayed there and watched them unload it. It was one skid. And it was only about... This high and about that wide. you guess what that was? That was Michigan State Park stickers to put on your windshield that my factory had contracted. But they had to seal that truck. Now, didn't they trust me? I don't know. But that meant they owned what was in there and keep my hands off of it. When the Spirit of God seals us, that means we've received, as it says here, the guarantee of our inheritance. Don't you love guarantees? I do. I'm thankful for assurance because I need that. 
There are days I get up and I realize that I have another root canal on Wednesday and ask me if I'm going to feel saved when I'm sitting in the dentist chair getting a root canal. Doesn't have anything to do with feelings, folks. It has something to do with everything to do with truth. And I'll tell you why. So, if I, you know, let's say this represents faith on top. This represents the Bible on the bottom. And then my feelings represents if I had a football, I'd put it here. Now, if I took that and rested it on the foundation of feelings, what would happen? Ah, it would fall with that. So, if I took the Bible and I put my faith on the Bible, and then my feelings on the faith that's rooted in the Bible, I put that football right here, let's say The feelings are a little long, but not God's truth. God's truth is steady. you like that, I went five minutes over, and what are you going to do about it? Let's sing the company this song. What a great song. Let's stand and sing the company.